anything anymore. And you're going to see something tonight in the Word of God. I realize I've taught people wrong for many years. Uh, just because, I mean, if you don't understand it right, then you can't do anything but share it wrong. All right, and so let's pray because I want to cover some ground tonight. And I really want to get into the divorced and widow side. So let's see how far we get tonight. Father, thank you for filling us with your power. Thank you for filling us with your glory. Father, thank you for emptying us of everything that is not like you and making us the righteousness of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And Father, we stand right now as righteous as we will ever be in our lives, not because of anything that we've done, but because of what you've done for us. And so, Father, we minister from that perspective. We sing from that perspective. We live from the perspective of what you've already made us and not what we're trying to become. Because we'll never become it as long as we're trying. We have to see it, believe it, receive it so that we can walk in it. And Father, I give you the glory for all the good that will come out of this service tonight. In Jesus' name. And everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Amen. We're talking about every single Christian. And really, we started off just answering questions regarding every single Christian, why people are single. And then we kind of looked at, uh, did Jesus teach on the subject of celibacy? And uh, we looked at the question of Paul considers uh, singleness a gift of God. Uh, We also learned that sometimes circumstances make being single the best choice, which is in distressful and stressful situations when people are under pressure. We looked at the benefits of being single. Uh, we looked at, we're looking at the disadvantages, or we looked at the disadvantages, which is where we left off. We left off talking about it. I don't think I need to say much more about it. Really, the difference between loneliness and solitude. And the danger of loneliness is that it's characterized by or causing a depressing feeling of being alone. So, in other words, when everyone thinks about, I don't have anyone, then it literally depresses them. And how many know that's not good? to be that way, right? And so, uh, again, we won't say all of the things that we said about that on last week. It means without company. It means isolated, okay? Uh, Not to be confused with solitude, which really every single Christian should learn to enjoy, whether you're single or married. Solitude is a gift, and when you master it in your single life, believe it or not, you'll enjoy it even more in your married life. There are just times when I look forward to just me, even though I'm married. And that's every single week. I have to have one day where I just get to enjoy me. And so, really, solitude is the state of being or living alone, to enjoy one's habitation, the absence of human activity. So, the more you learn to enjoy yourself, how many of you'll learn to enjoy other people? The less you enjoy yourself, the less you'll enjoy other people. The more you see wrong about you, the more you'll see wrong about someone else. Everybody clear on that? Loneliness kind of focuses on what's wrong. Solitude is, man, I'm I'm good with me, and I'm at peace with that, okay? Now, what I want to talk about tonight, this will segue into what we'll talk about tonight. We're going to begin talking about the duties of, and responsibilities of every single Christian. So if you think back to the definitions of loneliness and solitude, you'll see how it shows up in relationships, okay? Now, 
Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Let's look at the duties and responsibilities of every single Christian. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. All right, now I taught this as a youth pastor, got in trouble for it, didn't change the truth, and we're going to look at the truth many different ways. This is what I teach my children. If you have teenage children, great information to share with them, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1 says, Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. All right, it's good for him not to touch a woman. And there are several arguments out there as to what that really means. And believe it or not, both sides are right. Because coming out of the sixth chapter, he's talking about fleeing fornication, right? And so how many know chapter 7, man put that there to help us find uh, the verses and different things better. But it's really a continuation of the thought from chapter 6. It's really one long letter, right? So he's coming out of fornication and transitioning over into marriage, but the two are really over, overlapping in the seventh chapter. And so by definition, the Hebrew word for touch here is this word, uh, haptone ahi, spelled H-A-P-T-O-M-A-I. This is what it means, to properly attach oneself to. Properly attach oneself to, well, in that context would refer to marriage because it uses the word properly, right? Would everyone agree with that? So it could mean that it's good for a man not or to marry. It's good for a man not to to marry. And and that's consistent with the rest of the dissertation in chapter 7, right? But, But let's also look at it this way. That is, continuing the definition, to touch in many implied relations means touch. All right? You'll find some commentaries it talks about to not ignite the passion. All right? You'll see if you look at your amplified version of that, it talks about uh, that it's good to not cohabitate. And you'll find today a lot of people believe it's better to live together than it is to actually get married. I mean, that's really something that's now becoming extremely normal. But you'll find biblically it's really not normal. All right, and so I believe it's the Amplified that says it's good for them to not cohabitate. And I think the Message Bible asks the question this way, is it good for a man and woman to have sexual relations, right? I believe it's what the Message Bible says, and then verse 2 says it certainly is. And so, but then it goes on to say within the right context. And so, sex is good. Lord Jesus, let me try this side of the room over here. Sex is good. Now, I don't want to see you single people going too hard in on that. Married people, sex is good. What it's referring to is within the context of a marriage. All right? But you have to understand the other things that it's saying around that. Now, we just came out of fleeing fornication, right, in chapter 6, right? And then it says it's good for a man not to touch which could also mean cohabitate with a woman, uh, live with her prior to marriage. It could mean not to ignite the flame. And so as a 22-year-old man, I had drawn the conclusion that it's probably good for me to ignite this flame. For me, igniting the flame was kissing. I just said we're all grown folks in here, tongue kissing. That ignited a flame within me. Anybody else in here willing to be honest? 
you all looking at me like, oh, that's just you. No, mo- mo- most people, if you start kissing that way, how many know it leads to other things? So I drew the conclusion from that. Let me stay away from that altogether so that I can make it to the holy place still holy because that was the goal, right? And so I began to teach young people who are not able to get married at 12, 13, 14, and 15 to stay away from that altogether. Ah, he putting us in bondage. Ah, he... Now, I'm going to read some real statistics to you to show you that, I mean, you know, God knows what's best. Now, I'm not, I cannot tell anyone not to do that because everyone is different, right? I know me, right? So I know if I go down that path, it's a, it's a done deal. It's a done deal, all right? You, you have to know you, and you know what ignites your passion. Say, I know, I know. what ignites my passion. And you need to make sure that you do everything to avoid that. Now, cohabitation. I want to read some some statistics here for you before I go further in the message today. Okay, I pulled these up Dr. Phil's website. All right? So you all like Dr. Phil. All right? Because today, you know, it's sad to say, but most people, even in church, uh, live together prior to marriage. Most definitely have slept together prior to marriage. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. Right? This is normal in church. Right? People in church have said to me, would you buy a car that you wouldn't test drive first? You've got enough sense to try the shoes on before you buy them, don't you? I hope you don't buy clothes without trying them on first. So if we've got enough common sense to do that, then why wouldn't we make sure that this is the right person? This is in church. Saved, sanctified, well, saved. (laughs) They're growing in their sanctification. (laughs) All right, watch this. Again, no one get in any bondage because we're all making an endeavor to grow, right? The average age of a woman getting married in the United States, 27 years old, uh, Brides Magazine. The average age of a man getting married in the United States is 29 years old. That would be consistent with us. I was 30. She was 28. We met. I was 26. She was 24. 88% of American men and women between the ages of 20 and 29 believe that they have a soulmate who is waiting for them. 59% of marriages for women under the age of 18 or at the age of 18 end in divorce within 15 years. The divorce rate drops to 36% for those married at age 20 or older. Cohabitation. Marriage, divorce, remarriage is where those statistics come from. 60%, listen to this, of marriages for couples between the ages of 20 and 25 end in divorce. National Center of Health Statistics, 60% of marriages for couples between the ages of 20 and 25 end in divorce. 50% of all marriages in which the brides are 25 or older result in failed marriage. 65% of altar-bound men and women living together before getting married. Research indicates that people who live together prior to getting married are more likely to have marriages that end in divorce up to 62%. 
A recent study of cohabitation concludes that after five to seven years, only 21% of unmarried couples were still living together. 55% of cohabitating couples get married within five years of moving in together. 40% of couples who live together break up within the same time period. Children of divorce have a higher risk of divorce when they marry and an even higher risk if the person they marry comes from a divorced home. One study found that when the wife alone has experienced a parental divorce, her odds of divorce increased by 59%. When both spouses experience parental divorce, the odds of divorce nearly tripled to 189%. I think you all get the, the picture here, Right? It's not better to live together prior to marriage. I mean, God's way is, was, is, and always will be the best way. It's not better to sample it before you (laughs) commit to it. It's not. All right, so now, now concerning the things, back to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, that you wrote to me. It is good for a man not to touch a woman. In fact, the the Message Bible just makes this so plain. Can I just read it from the Message Bible? Listen very carefully. Now, getting down to the questions you asked in your letter to me. Now, remember about being alone and and isolated or or, um, solitude. First, it is a good thing to have sexual relations, certainly, but only within a certain context. It is good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Sexual drives are strong. But marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. So I want to show you something. If you have a strong sex drive, marriage is the best context to enjoy that. And marriage can sustain that for the rest of your life. I'm going to show you. I'm getting ready to teach you something tonight. Today, there are couples, believe it or not, married but don't sleep together. They don't have sex for whatever reason. And I'm going to teach you where that comes from, okay? You have to go all the way back into their single life to understand why they're selfish in their married life, okay? Watch this now. And, and the Bible bears all of this out. Watch this now. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced, and I love this language here, and fulfilling sexual life and a world of sexual disorder. Can I just be transparent with everyone in here? When I was 22, I used to think, how can you only be with one person for the rest of your life? Anyone else in here just willing to be honest? Look at y'all scared, boy. That was like a real, like, man, one person for the rest of my life? Let me tell you, now after 19 years of marriage, 20... Man, I enjoy her as much today as I did 19 years ago. And you know what it is? Because I have nothing to compare her to. So how many know if that's all you know, it's going to be good every single time? I'm just getting ready to let y'all, let's be grown folks in here. So now you don't have to be worried about size or none of that. Because women, you are built to adjust to whatever size he is. Let me try this side of the room over here. 
That's how God made you. You're going to adjust to whatever size he is. Can we just be grown in here? And watch this. If you've never been with anyone, it doesn't matter what size he is. He'll be too big for you. I'm not getting a whole lot of support in here, but I'm preaching the truth. Now, what if you've been there before? Stop going there and you will adjust. And whatever he brings to the table, it's going to blow your mind. And if that's all you know for the rest of your life, trust me, it's going to blow your mind every time he goes there. It's not until all this other stuff gets in there that we get all messed up. Somebody enjoying that over there, boy. Let's, let's stretch our hands over there. He's enjoying that a little bit too much. Isn't Is that accurate information? So God created the marriage to sustain a healthy, balanced sexual relationship all the days of your life. No way we can think God doesn't know what he's doing. All right, now, stay with me. I'm going to show you where all this loneliness and all this stuff kicks in. Let's continue to read. The marriage bed must be a place of mutuality. The husband seeking to satisfy his wife. The wife seeking to satisfy her husband. But, see, if I've been living alone, right, it's all about me. I'm selfish. I play games like this. And until you do this, you don't get none of this. I mean, that's a selfish person. And the New King James Version calls it fraud. So it's a crime to withhold from my wife. And it's a crime for her to withhold from me. And the number one goal every time we get together is for me to figure out how to please her. And for her to figure out how to please me. Unless you've got selfish people who are set in their ways and unwilling to change and immature spiritually, right? Or don't like themselves. I mean, you don't want to share yourself when you don't like yourself. But when you feel good about yourself, you want to give yourself away. And it's a part of receiving back to yourself is blessing the person you love the most. Man, it's a tough audience in here tonight. All right, let's keep reading here. The husband seeking to satisfy the wife, the wife seeking to satisfy the husband. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Boy, the message Bible just brought that right to where we're living at, right? I mean, that's not the place to use sex as a weapon. So in other words, you get this together and you do that, then I'll be what you want me to be. Let me tell you, most men don't want it like that. And it's getting ready to create a real problem in this marriage, but you got to go all the way back into their 
loneliness to understand why they're acting like this in their marriage. Sure is quiet in this Roman Catholic church tonight. So if you remember, if you don't master this while you're single, I don't want to fool you in thinking marriage is the answer to this because it isn't. The only thing it's going to do is expose more of who you already are. It's not going to change it. It's just going to magnify it. All right, let's keep reading here. So marriage is not the place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve the other person. Watch this. Whether in bed or out. It's a decision. So how many know now it's not about how I feel? If I come home tonight and and that's where she's at, I got to make the adjustment. And vice versa. If I come home tonight, which I already set that up earlier today, if I come home, oh, I did too. I set that up earlier today. I said, hey, don't wear yourself out today. Don't be tired. Now, now how many know when I come home tonight, she got to make a, that's a decision now. And listen, it's a decision to serve. Right? That's what it is. It's a decision to serve. In the bedroom and outside of the bedroom. Watch this. But if I'm alone and I'm selfish, see, I got a problem in both areas now. Somebody asks me to do something, it's all kind of attitude. Right? So, so let, me, let me just give you an example. Tuesday is my off day. I go to the gym, come back from the gym, there's a note on the table. Clean out the garage, blow the garage out, uh, wipe, cl- clean the floor, which means spray it and clean all the dirt from the wintertime off of the floor, Three light bulbs need to be changed. Uh, oh, and the toilet in the uh, first floor toilet guest bathroom or first floor guest bathroom is uh, toilet needs to be fixed, right? So, so how many know it's a decision to serve? So even I come back from the gym, I hit the garage first, right? Fix the light bulbs, go to Home Depot, fix the toilet. Watch this now. Then she calls. I'm stuck in traffic. Dinner is on the table. Can you take the meat out, clean the meat off, rinse it in? I'm going to walk you through this because I need you to cook tonight. I think she set me up to start heading me down this path, right? So then I cook dinner. It's a decision to serve, right? So watch this. Don't ever engage. Just make a decision to serve. The moment I say, well, how far out are you? It'll be here when you get here. I mean, I've made a decision not to serve. Right? She comes in the house knowing she asked me to do these three things, and I didn't do it. How I many know now I'm being selfish in this marriage? Uh-oh, uh-oh, something personal going on up here on this. Uh, you okay? You all, y'all better have a meeting when you leave here today. <laughs> She's nugging him and giving him information. You all getting anything out of this tonight? You see how this works? If you don't master this in your single life, guess where it's getting ready to show up? In your married life. Okay? And I'm going to show you why you never want to withhold your partner's conjugal rights in this marriage. You never want to do that. You never want to do that. You always want your spouse to feel like they can have it whenever they want it. I'm not getting no, I'm leaving. Married folks, help me. You you always want your spouse to feel like they can get it whenever they want it. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Just let me know. Give me enough time. Call me ahead of time. Prepare me 
but I'll be ready. And nothing will bless the union more knowing the two are willing to serve each other in the bedroom and outside of the bedroom. But if I'm set in my ways, selfish, come on somebody, lonely, Let me show you why. I can see now I will not get nowhere near as far as I wanted to get tonight. <laughs> and that's because you all aren't responding. If you just say amen, I would have been way down the road somewhere. <laughs> Watch this now. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out. Abstaining from sex is permissible for a period of time. Keep reading if you both agree to it. You cannot have one wanting it and the other one not. Hello, somebody. And extended periods go by. All right. Let me say it in Spanish. I'm here to show you why. I'm here to show you why in a moment. I'm here to show you why in a moment. It is not acceptable in a marriage, listen to me, for one to want it and the other one to make a decision not to give it up for an extended period of time. The only time that it should not be happening is when the both agree that it should not be happening. Other than that, it should be on and popping. Frequently consistently, hello, somebody. Tell you single, and, and men, never send your spouse out thirsty. Never let them go out the house hungry. They eat at places they wouldn't normally eat at when they're hungry. I'm getting ready to read the Bible to you. I promise you, I'm getting ready to read the Bible to you. All right, let's keep reading since this is going over so well tonight. Watch this. Unless you both agree to it, and it's for the purpose of Shaka McKeon and fasting. That's it. Only two reasons. We can already spend some time in prayer. That's it. And we're getting ready to fast. That's it. But watch what the Scripture says. The moment you come off the fast, get back in the bedroom. That's what the Bible says. Let's keep reading. But only for such times, then come back together again. And do what? Continue marital relations. Now, why is the Bible telling us to do this? Clearly, then, if you have long gaps in your marriage where there's no activity, you are exposing your spouse to, to temptation. And I, listen to me. Don't ever think they won't do it. Never make the mistake of thinking that it can never happen because it happens all the time. I've noticed when I'm emptied out, 
No temptation. <laughs> Nothing there. Amen. I leave the house right. There's nowhere to come but back home. Amen. Are you all listening to me? I'm going to show you how clear the Bible is on these things. Listen to what it goes on to say. Then come back together again. Satan has an ingenious way of tempting us when we least expect it. Ingenious, which means he's been at this for thousands of years. And I can promise you at a time when one of them are thirsty, Jill St. Jock, muscle bound, everything, glitter, the lotion on, everything, getting ready to walk up. What's a beautiful girl like you doing here at the grocery store all by yourself? Where's your husband to help you carry these groceries? I'm beautiful. Let me help you with your groceries. That's okay. I help you. I help you. <laughs> Stuff goes on all the time. Listen to me when I tell you this. No different with him. Now he's at work. She noticed him secretary all the time. Somebody else said, oh, that's a nice shirt you have on. Oh, and your shoes are hitting that shirt. He hadn't heard a compliment in so long. And then she saw his response. So the next day, she can't wait to compliment him again. And before you know it, what are you doing for lunch? I'm not doing anything. I'm just getting ready to go over here to Subway. I'll go with you. Now we're sitting in front of each other eating Subway, talking about how bad our relationships are. <laughs> then she tells him, if I had a good man like you, he's like, she appreciates me. <laughs> Folks, I hope you're listening tonight. This happens all the time. Saved, unsaved, in church, out of church. Listen to me. From the pulpit all the way out to the pew. Did you hear what I said? From the what? All the way out to the pew. Big ups to Patricia Elizabeth Gregory. Big ups. I can honestly say in 19 years of marriage, I know Anytime I want it, I can get it. <laughs> Listen to me. That's a peace of mind. That I'm not getting ready to be pushed off. Hello, somebody. Made to feel unimportant. Made to feel not special. Hello, somebody. I thank God for my wife. She's made it easy to be faithful to her for 19 years. So in part, I'm telling you something here. When I can look you in the eye and tell you I've never cheated on her and I've never behaved inappropriately with the opposite sex, she's in there too. Most of that responsibility is on me, but she's in there too because she makes sure I'm not thirsty. It's a good woman. All right. So Satan is a genius at setting this up when couples... You'll start seeing. Let me start showing you some signs. Then he's out of town. Now he's got more trips lined up. Staying out later and later. Hello, somebody. 
Don't ever think it can't happen. We see this all the time. Now, can we just be transparent? I, I already went down this path tonight. I want you to listen real clear, ladies. He can only go so long like that. All right? And watch this now. If he's not doing it with you, and you're talking about months have gone by, six months, seven months, eight months, nine months, listen to me. He's doing something. He either has a pornography problem, but he's doing something. It's just not with you. And then when he's no longer interested, dead giveaway. It's not a need for you. It's a need for us. It's like water, food. (laughs) I got all these scared brothers in here, man. Am I right or wrong, fellas? It's a need for us. So you're talking about months have gone by, six, seven, eight, nine months? Something's going on. You better believe that. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed in prayer. That's some good stuff right here. Yes, it is. I wish you could walk in more churches today and they'd be this honest and transparent with you. But again, see, if I don't live it, I'm not comfortable talking about it, which is why the message has left the church. All right. So now, Satan has an ingenious way of tempting us when we least expect it. I'm not, understand, commanding these periods of abstinence, only providing my best counsel if you should choose that. All right? Now, let's back up to go forward. This is where you'll see the song tonight message. It's going to help revolutionize you. I didn't get nearly as far as I wanted to. Now, go back into the sixth chapter. We're talking about the duties, responsibilities of every single Christian. Go back into the sixth chapter. All right. So, I had a past prior to salvation, and most people do, which means I was not a virgin when I gave my life to Christ. I had a past. I didn't get saved until I was 22 years old. So, how many know if you have a past, you bring that past into your future unless you immediately see yourself different or delivered from your past? Okay? And so stay with me because I'm getting ready to go somewhere. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, let's begin reading at verse 9. So when you see your past come into your present and then start impacting your future, how many know you, you haven't seen yourself as delivered from it? You've seen yourself as still struggling with it. And as long as you see yourself struggling with it, you'll continue to struggle with it. All right? Let's read this very carefully. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, let's begin reading at verse 9. Let me go back now to the New King James Version. All right, everyone there? Are you all there? All right. Verse 9 says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit, key word there, the kingdom of God? So in other words, eternal life is not in their future. Unrighteous, okay? How many know you're unrighteous when you're not saved? You're righteous when you're saved. So we really can say the unsaved shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Is that safe to say? All right, let's keep reading here. 
Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Unsaved. Do not be deceived. Watch this now. Neither fornicators. So then, scripturally, someone who practices fornication is most likely not saved. I'm getting ready to go real slow. Did anyone in here catch what I just said? All right. You all see that. Practices it. It's most likely not saved. Is that faith fair to say? All right, let's keep reading. This whole thing, this whole message is going to bless you so much. Your life will never be the same again. I promise you. Watch this now. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators nor idolaters, those S's are on the end because these are lifestyles, nor adulterers. See, a person who practices sleeping with someone that's not their spouse, I mean, they're probably not saved. Safe to say that? All right, watch this now, because I know you all say God loves everyone, and he does. Nor homosexuals. Love one out. Because love always tells the truth. He loves the homosexual, but he hates the sin. Right? And if a person practice hom- practices homosexuality, they're probably not saved. I know that's a tough statement to make, but I'm just reading straight out of the Bible. I did not single them out. I said fornicators. I said idolaters. Hello, somebody. I didn't single out and make one bigger than the other. It's all the same. So don't take this somewhere that it's not intended to go because no one was singled out. Fair? All right, let's keep reading. Nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners practice these things, will inherit, we could say, eternal life. Fair? All right, let's keep reading. Now, this is where your faith in God's grace has to kick in. Watch this. It's amazing. I never saw this before this way until I grew in this revelation. And such were some of you. What's the key word there? Were. So in other words, I can't still be something if he just says that's what I used to be. So then there's an expectation that once I become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus from heaven, that I am in that moment delivered from fornication, homosexuality, adultery, uh, uh, stealing, everything. The moment I am, the moment I receive his righteousness, I'm free from those things. And this is consistent with everything else in Scripture in the New Testament. All right, stay with me now. Go real slow. It's Revelation, real slow. And such were what? Some of you. All right, so now. Watch this. But you were what? Washed by what? The blood of Jesus. Now, the blood of Jesus did not cover sin. The blood of Jesus did what? Removed it. Washed it and removed it. Which means if he took it away, you no longer have it. 
right? And until you see yourself free from it, you can't really walk in the freedom that he's already provided for you. So never say, I struggle with fornication. No, I've overcome fornication by the blood of Jesus, and he's made me the righteousness of God. Get up and say that every day, and it's going to empower you, and it's going to release the power to walk free that day. And then get up the next day and confess it all over again. All right, watch this. Let's keep going. Such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were what? Word means this happened when you became righteous. When did you become righteous? When you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. He set you apart from your old life. Right? So to pray God set me apart and take something out of me that he believes he's already done is not faith. Everybody clear? You didn't accept what he did for you. Is everyone still with me out here? All right, watch this now. But you were what? Justified. You know what justified means? Declared righteous. So listen, you didn't do nothing to earn that. So you can't do anything to keep it. You just have to receive it by faith that that's what he made you. And every day, walk in it. Folks, Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. What does that say? You are complete in him. I'm not trying to get complete, folks. I'm already complete. Right? But if all I do is focus on my insufficiency, my failures, my wrongs, what's lacking, how many of I haven't received the completeness that he gave me? You all sit with me? I'm complete already. Watch this. And there's nothing a marriage can do to make me more complete than I already am. Only thing a marriage can do is compliment what I already am. Did you all catch that? But if I believe I'll be whole when I get married, married, you're probably not whole right now. I'm whole already. And marriage just complements my wholeness. You all still with me? All right. So I'm going to go real slow. So you notice everything here. It's past tense. So in God's mind, he already made you these things. Now you have to receive what he made you and then walk in it. Everybody clear? All right. So what if I messed up tonight and you don't practice this? Right after you mess up, confess that the blood of Jesus has already forgiven me of that sin. It's removed it from my life. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I have overcome fornication, and I am free from it now in the name of Jesus. And continue to confess that. If you go the other way and, and you begin confessing your weakness and what you struggle with, hello, somebody, and, 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 and God, help me overcome this and help me get rid of this and take it from me. How I many of you know none of those prayers are, are faith prayers? The right prayer is to say that I've already been forgiven from that. And God, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and I thank you for the liberty and the freedom that you've granted me. I've already overcome fornication. It's a part of my past, and I walk free from it from this day forward. When you get up the next day and you say the next thing, say it again. I mean, it's going to empower you to live in what he's already made you instead of so many of our songs are praying and singing about what we want to be. 
instead of what he's already made us. So listen, we're singing to the cross instead of singing back at the cross. We're singing Isaiah's revelation instead of Peter's revelation. Isaiah said, by his stripes, I what? What did Peter say? By his stripes, one is future, one is I already am. All right, now. Now you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the what? Spirit of our God. So again, it's nothing we could do to earn that, right? Nothing we can do. We have to what? Receive that. Right now, All right. sexual intimacy outside of marriage is called what? Fornication. Right? If I practice that, am I saved scripturally? Probably not. Right? If I'm married and I sleep with someone that I'm not married to and I practice adultery, am I saved? I practice that. Probably not. Right? Everybody clear on this? On and on and on. So if you see the, the separation that the Scripture made there, unsaved people act that way. Not saved people. Okay, All right. okay let's, let's just go down here, and then I'm, I'll, I'll pull out. Paul said in verse 12, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, watch this now, but I will not be brought under the power of any. So now this whole issue of alone versus solitude. When you can't control yourself, how many know it's an indication that you're alone? When I knew that I was free from that was when I can now be around the opposite sex and not violate them. How many know now I have solitude? And I'm happy with me. Because now this doesn't have the power it used to have over me for me to now do something I know is going to hurt God and myself and the young lady. You all see that? So you see what Paul is saying? I could do that, but I won't be brought under the power of anything but God. Okay, let's keep reading. Foods are for the stomach and the stomach for foods. But God will destroy both of them, the body and food. Now, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. So, this tells you then fornication does something to the destruction of the body, right? I don't have time to scientifically and medically get into all of that, but how many know it begins to break down the body, aging symptoms, all kind of different things happen as a result of fornication, Sickness, disease, all kind of stress, all kind of different things that, that speed along the aging process and break down our bodies. All right? Sex before marriage is not good. Sex before marriage is not good. All right, let's keep reading here. When God both raised up, verse 14, the Lord... And will also raise us up by his what? Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members, members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that 
he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her. For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. This is why you've got to understand, anytime you have intercourse with someone, how many of the two of you are becoming one, right? And and these begin to become strongholds in your life, and they're all kind of, what's this other term for that? Uh, Soul ties and, and, and other things begin to happen, and now you're up late at night, you're thinking about it, it's controlling you. How many of you can remember, it'll make you do some stuff you thought you'd never do. It'll take you places you thought you'd never go. It'll make you say stuff you thought you would never say. And it will make you act in a way that you thought you would never act. Don't look at me like that. Anybody in here know what I'm talking about? Right? And then you ever notice, now again, I could take the time to go through all of this. You ever notice a good, wholesome woman can get with a thug? And all of a sudden, she becomes a thug. Soul ties. You see this all the time. You know, where she now, she wants to wear tattoos all on her neck. And boom, boom. Well, she's I- identifying with her soul mate. And this stuff will mess you up. Right? Which is why you were never intended to have, listen to me, a boyfriend or girlfriend in the ninth grade, the eighth grade, right? And so to prove my love to them, we get together. And then you don't realize the game, so I don't want you no more. Let's break up, right? Ninth grade, this is my new boyfriend. This is my new girlfriend. So to prove my love, I got to get him some too. Hello, somebody. I mean, you go through that all the way through college. You are so confused by the time you graduate from college. But guess what you've really been doing? Getting married and divorced, getting married and divorced, getting married and divorced to the point where you become numb to it. So when you really do get married, divorce means nothing to you because you've been practicing it your whole life. How many of y'all glad you came to church tonight? Because you don't understand commitment. You've never been committed. And I can show you this in the Word of God. Remember when the woman came to Jesus at the well, woman from Samaria? What did Jesus say to her? Right? Where's your husband? Bring your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. She said, you've had five of them. And the one you're with right now is not your husband. So you can see scripturally, the two come together. That's what it's considered. It's just an unlawful marriage. But, but I'm so used to getting married and divorced. Every person that says they love me, I feel like I got to give them some. They don't love you unless they put a ring on your finger. Love comes with commitment. Right? And when I show you what a man looks like, he's definitely not getting ready to show you his love by moving into your spot. I'm going to make it real plain because we don't know what one looks like. I'm going to show you what he won't do. Not a real man. We good? We good? Let's go ahead and close this out, just this portion of it tonight. And then next week we'll get into a week after um, uh, Holy Thursday and all those things. We're going to get into the divorce aspect of this. See, if you properly discern your singleness, 
divorce won't be an option in your future. And I'm going to show you why people divorce. You got to go all the way back into their loneliness to understand it. It's going to be real good for you. All right, let's keep going. Verse 16. Do you not know that he who is joined to an harlot, you guys can go ahead and begin to play. Do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become what? That's marriage, isn't it? Isn't that what that is? So you see the process. Every time I give myself to someone that I'm not married to, I actually became one flesh with. Then when I all of a sudden no longer want to be with them, I've divorced. Right? And I'm so in my thinking that the next person I'm with I marry them unlawfully, and now that vicious cycle is just running. All right? Now, you all are not going to want to hear this, but how many you know my job is to tell you the truth? Someone in your life, it could be you doing it to someone else or, or however, but if someone's in your life right now sleeping with you, they don't biblically love you. No, they tell you they do, but they're really very selfish, and they're concerned about themselves. Because if they were concerned about you, they wouldn't want to do anything to hurt you. More importantly, they wouldn't want to hurt God. And let the church say, please say amen. <laughs> I, I didn't change denominations, did I? It's still linked up, church. Good stuff, isn't it? It's good stuff, right? How many of y'all glad you came tonight? Are you learning anything tonight? Don't you wish you would have learned this a little earlier? Right, but just thank God that you have it now and walk in your freedom from this day forward, okay? Watch this now. Do you not know that he which is joined to a hollow is one body, two shall be one flesh? But he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Now, if you don't write anything else down tonight, if you cannot be faithful to God, what makes you think you're going to be faithful to someone else? If you don't write nothing else down, I pray that you write that down. Because you are fooling yourself if you think a person can keep you and God can't. What's the best way to prove that you can be faithful in a relationship? To first be faithful with God. And don't violate that marriage. Flee sexual immorality. You know what the word flee means? It clearly means don't play with it, right? Don't see how close I can get to it, right? Let's do everything but intercourse. That's not fleeing, is it? Long as I didn't penetrate, we didn't mess up. Really? How many more times we keep playing with this fire? I mean, somebody getting ready to get burned. Flee means what? Means what? Means run. I mean, even when you're married, if you want to stay 
right, you shouldn't play around with the opposite sex. Right? So I on purpose, matter of fact, did he make it tonight? There's a men's Bible study that I have with guys at the gym. You know what this Bible study was formed off of? I did not respond to this one female who did just about everything but, right? And the last time was, I'll never forget it. He, she had this guy get on the treadmill on the other side. She got in the middle. He started talking around her to me, asking questions, trying to find out. I mean, no, I know this. I ain't been saved my whole life. Right? So I'm answering, man, I, I've got one of the best wives in the world, really. I, really. I, I'm, I'm answering about my wife my family. About two days go by, and she walks up to me, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How was your weekend? It was great. It was great. Busy. Man, my kids just keep me all over the place. My son had this. My daughter had that. Then my wife, we, you know, we got to spend time with each other every weekend. That's what keeps our marriage strong. And it was like, oh. But what happened, all the guys said, man, he just flicked her off like, and it's amazing. Then they wanted to have this men's body. We do it once a month. Actually, I thought one of them was supposed to be here tonight. We do it once a month all because I didn't play with this female. Now, can I just be transparent in this room? I had enough sense to know, though, that that was one that if I played with her, I mean, there's one out there for everybody. I had enough sense to know that's not one to play with. So watch this. I don't even, I'm not her friend. She's not one that I speak to in the gym, if you all understand. If we happen to cross paths, I'm cordial, professional, hello, how are you? But I don't stop and have conversations because I can't handle that. I mean, you know, that's called fleeing when you're married. One time I was in the whirlpool. Who comes out of the women's thing? Just sashaying. Just. <laughs> I, now, I'll be perfectly honest. My eyes, I was like. Grabbed my little towel, went right back in the steam room inside the men's locker room. How I many know that wasn't a, a whirlpool to stay in that day? <laughs> what was I doing? Fleeing. So you think because you get married, those urges go away. They don't, folks. They don't. I mean, that's not a slight against my wife. That's called living in your flesh. That's why he said, have no confidence in your flesh. Everybody clear tonight? Flee means what? Is it being lived together prior to marriage? Does it mean let's see how much we can play with this without going overboard? Does it mean dry heaving (laughs) with our clothes on? Some of y'all, come on, some of y'all know. Come on, let's not act like that. Come on, we all grown folks. Let's not act like that. Don't mean any of that, does it? Don't mean none of that, right? Man, I'm so glad I go to a church like this, boy. I know you all are like, boy, just keep it plain, Pastor. Just keep it plain. 
right? Flee it. Every sin that a man does is outside of the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Very strong what I'm getting ready to tell you, but it's just the truth. The highest form of self-hatred that you will ever see. It's such a demonstration of how much I don't love me that I'll let someone else do this to me. And today, you understand the risk involved with that? That could be a death sentence today. And today, you don't know who's who. Listen, I did this 19 years ago. You better get a physical done today. And a test to make sure it really is who they said it is. So they want born something else. Hello, somebody. <laughs> Happens quite often. <laughs> All right? So when you begin to love yourself, watch this. You begin to respect yourself. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. He that commits fornication, notice it didn't say the other person did that to you, sins against his own body. You all see that? Do you not know that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. What was that price? The blood of Jesus. Therefore, glorify God in your what? Body and what? Which are God's. We'll just stop right there for tonight. Just lift our hands to the Father. It's good stuff. Thank you tonight, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. I realize 826. Just lift your hands to the Father and make this confession with me. Say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am who he says I am I walk in what he says I walk in I'm free from all forms of sexual immorality it's a part of my past it's not a part of my present or my future if I'm single the next time I sleep with someone will be on my wedding night if I'm married I will enjoy healthy, balanced sexual relations with my spouse all the days of our lives. Say, Father, I thank you that I'm graced to live in your glory all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. If you receive that about yourself, why don't you just open up your mouth and thank God for it today. Father, I thank you that I enjoy healthy sexual relations with my wife all the days of my life. I'll be true to this marriage. I am true to this marriage all the days of my life, Father. It'll be my greatest testimony and our greatest testimony that we've lived faithfully and your grace empowered us to do it all the days of our marriage. And it is such an example to our children and a great legacy to live to every leave to every generation that comes behind us. Father, I stand in the grace and the power and the ability to live that now and all the days of my life. Give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen.
Everyone look up here at me for a moment. If you're in this building tonight, you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to pray for you. That's the first step. That's loving God with all your heart so that you can love your